And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Ben, we're rolling. All right. Thanks for having me over on your porch. Yeah, it's nice to see you again. I got so excited when I saw you walking up my steps. <laughs> How many people have you seen in the last week besides your wife? My parents came over for like an outdoor dinner thing mm. about a week ago, and I got my hair cut today. So I saw Carly, who cuts my hair, saw her, and we, we've been starting to socialize more in outdoor settings. Over the weekend, a friend of ours was having a birthday thing in a friend's yard, and everybody kind of hung out. There was no hugging or sharing of utensils or anything like that. Was there a kissing contest? There was no kissing contest, Okay, which some of the party goers were upset about, as you might imagine. Famous last words, but I'm starting to feel comfortable socializing with people outside, and it seems like all of the information we have now is making it look like that is a safe thing to do if so long as you're not hugging and kissing people and sharing joints and stuff yeah oh yeah no sharing of joints yeah the guy at this party just sat by himself and just smoked an entire j-bone darn it and That's i sad. it wasn't that i necessarily wanted to partake in that particular joint with him yeah. but you know he got very high <laughs> right, because he was smoking it by himself. There was no normally you'd, you know, there's a puff puff give with that, but yeah. in this case he had smoked the whole thing and he kind of he got pretty quiet. <laughs> um, that's just a sad picture. <laughs> yeah, everybody with like uh, individual joints just yeah. by themselves, too stoned. The byproduct <laughs> being too stoned. That's why we share. 
how is your family doing? Everybody is doing really well. My parents live in Bremerton. They are they're in their early 70s. They're doing well. My sister and her spouse and their two-year-old and a baby on the way are all doing well. Rachel and I are doing well. We're starting to get comfortable within our little pod of spending time together. My parents are starting to help out with my nephew going over there, helping out. You know, they figure it's been two months. Everybody's been really well quarantined. And like I gave my parents hugs for the first time in two and a half months. Yeah. Last week, which was really nice. I did the same thing last Sunday. Yeah, it was it was it was just it was very, very emotional, honestly. Yeah. Um, So I I feel like within our little kind of circle, everybody's doing the right thing and not being stupid and um, and kind of avoiding large crowds and grocery stores without masks and on and on, you know. Right. Well, speaking of large crowds, something had just made our pandemic a little heavier. The uh, murder of George Floyd and the subsequent protests and marches. I think we're on day 13-ish. Does it feel like that? Yeah, it feels. that sounds about right. Yeah. Have you been in proximity to any of the marches, protests, or participated? We have not participated in any of the marches primarily because of what we just discussed, which right. is that we've kind of created this pocket with my family and in any other scenario we would have loved to have gone down and been part of them but we're trying to be of use in other ways at this point yeah uh that don't involve being in large crowds because i'm still i'm still not there with it i'm I'm there with the movement of course right but i'm I'm not i'm not there with being shoulder to shoulder with Ten thousand people, and I, it's incredible to see, and it's really emotional. And the outpouring of support from not just people around this country, but people over the world, has been really, really amazing and really eye-opening. And it really feels like something is changing this time. And I, I hope that's the case. I hope the momentum from this continues on into, in this next election and onward. And it's been really interesting having conversations with some of my family who don't necessarily hold the same political beliefs as I do, but in discussions about what we need to change about how we we fund police departments and how we what we ask them to do and what level of accountability we ask from them. It's been rather eye-opening to have conversations with, say, my dad, who before this incident was not... He wasn't pro-cop, per se. Right. But he had a very different opinion about than he than he's developed over the last couple of weeks and i feel if my dad at 72 73 is able to get it yeah in a way that he didn't get it two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever that's in, it's incredibly encouraging yeah i've seen the same thing with some of the boomer age people that i either communicate with or whatever i see in the media or something and i've seen a lot of boomers have seemed to I guess lightly be enlightened by this whole experience. And it was been a little surprising to me yeah. because I think their understanding of what police do is not real. Well, and also you and I as white men have had a very different experience of the police. Yeah. Than any man of color. Yes. I don't have a single black friend who's been like, 
Oh no, the cops have always been cool to me. Right. You no, know, no, no, never really had a problem. Yeah. Uh, and and I just look back on my interactions with the police, like the last time I got pulled over for tailgating on the highway, Whoa. and I just explained the guy wasn't going fast enough, and the officer was like, "Well, yeah, he kind of wasn't." Well, on your way there, son, I was like, "I should have gotten a ticket for that." And uh, virtually all of my interactions with the police, well, they've all been non-violent. <laughs> yeah, non-life-threatening uh, and non-violent. not life-threatening. So I I think that I think you're right. I think that. Boomers are now starting to understand that African Americans have a very different relationship with the police than white people do. And I think, in a way, while this time is probably more of a curse than a blessing, it certainly, I think, in a way, is a blessing in that people have the time to really contemplate this man's death and are in a place that they can understand that this is not an isolated incident. Right. And it's, I don't necessarily think we would be having this kind of come to Jesus moment with policing in this country had it not been for this pandemic. Yes. I wonder that myself. I've I've been thinking about that a lot in the last just couple days about how this pandemic has put people in, in a certain state of mind and physical state, they can only pay attention to this. Exactly. Yeah. They, I mean, largely, you know, which is a good thing. Well, and if you think about what would be happening if this, if we were living quote unquote normal life right now. Yeah. Humming along. There'd be people going to concerts and going to baseball games, be going to jobs and commuting and doing all the things that they do. And there would be a a number of distractions that people could just fall into and ignore this. Yeah. And it's seemingly every entertainer, every athlete, every musician that people would go to to ignore this mm-hmm. is speaking out about it. Right. So, you know, there's no, like, why can't LeBron James just play basketball right now? There's no, I'm just going to watch this baseball game and not think about this thing. You just have to really sit with it. And it's been really heartening to see that the overwhelming majority of Americans now, having had time to sit with it and had the time to really process this incident and how it is not, an, is not isolated in any way whatsoever, is a real problem and needs to be addressed immediately. Right. How are you taking in your information, your media generally? What do, you, do you listen to the radio? You read the newspaper? You, I have a internet rotation mm-hmm. that I do in the mornings. I usually get up and read something that's not the internet or the news for mm-hmm. a period of time. Usually it's a novel that I'm working on or a nonfiction book while I'm having my coffee, getting my day going. So that my first experience in the world every morning is not Donald Trump. It's a good idea. Or something that Donald Trump said or did. I'd like to try that. <laughs> yeah, because every every morning start could potentially start with, like, you're not going to believe what this motherfucker did last night. You're not going to believe what this fucker said this morning at 3 in the morning on the toilet or whatever. And you're going to get that information eventually. But it's just nice to kind of get up and... Read a novel for a half hour while you're having your coffee if you can afford that kind of time, if you don't have kids climbing on you. And then when you're feeling ready, all of that news is just sitting there waiting for you to be angry at. 
And so I'm kind of on a rotation of New York Times, Seattle Times, Stranger, Politico, Slate. There is no sports news right now, so that's right. you know that used to be part of my rotation where I would get I would read a book and then I would read the news and I would get angry and I would read sports stuff to kind of calm down mm-hmm. and then enter the enter my day. Um, without underplaying the murder of George Floyd, has there been anything striking as maybe a byproduct of what's been happening? aside from exactly what happened. Um, For example, for me, I have been watching this poetry group from Houston called Right About Now, W-R-I-T-E, on Instagram, and it has been one of the most amazing things and moving things I've seen, and I can't remember when. I do not regularly read poetry, I do not regularly talk about poetry and I keep talking about it with everyone or texting people about it. It's amazing. Okay. I'll check that out. Yeah. But it's just been stuck with me ever since probably three days after the protests started. This came into my orbit. I look forward to it every day and it's really moving. I I do find myself going down rabbit holes via essayists and information that's kind of coming at me via social media yeah and outside of the the publications that i read on a a normal basis seem to be turning over a lot of their editorials to people of color who are specifically talking about these issues right um i haven't discovered a new thing per se that i'm now following uh but i i think it's just a matter of time really yeah So you said you were reading a book. What is it again? Read the new uh, Sarah Kenzier book. Mm. Uh, Sarah Kenzier is a really brilliant essayist and student of authoritarian regimes. This book is basically a breakdown of Trump as a figure moving towards a political career through the 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, and... The thing that's been the most alarming to me is that I think like many Americans, we were given the impression that this guy just came down the escalator in Trump Tower in 2014 or 2015 or whatever and announced he was running for president. And we all thought it was a joke. I mean, you know, some of the papers in New York literally ran clown runs for president on the the front page. Um, God, it's hard to laugh at that. It really is hard to laugh at that. Like I start (laughs) laughing. And then I realize that's our reality. Not fucking funny. And it's breaking down the, you know, this evidence via things that he said and the associations that he has had with this cabal of oligarchs and autocrats and literal mobsters from the 80s on. And some of these names, the Roger Stones, the Roy Cohns, like, You've heard their yeah. names in passing over the last couple of years. You know, the relationships that these people have had with Trump have run decades. And there's so there's so much evidence, not so much evidence, it's it's just things that he's said and the, and the associations that he has had that have shown that this was always his intent. He always mm-hmm. had this intent to go into public office. I don't think it's a uh, 
controversial thing to say that Donald Trump has authoritarian leanings, to say yeah. the least. Yes. And uh, I, those leanings come from having dealings with authoritarians and authoritarian regimes for decades now. So it's not a fun book to read. Yeah. But it's it's something I, I really needed to kind of dig into. Yeah, I'm digging into Jeffrey Epstein documentary right now. That is not a fun documentary. It's mind-blowing what our justice system is capable of and, I guess, not capable of at the same time. Um, we are having to close most of our evenings with The Great British Baking Show. Yeah. As, are you familiar with this I've, I am show? familiar with it, but I have not seen it. Let me just tell you, Joe, this thing is the ultimate emotional palate cleanser. Okay. I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. So I try to read, but reading hasn't been working lately. Uh, so I, yes, I would recommend it. Okay. I, I think, I think you would dig it. And, and you know, it's British, so it's kind of soothing the, the accents and yeah. everything. They sound nice, you know, that sounds great. I'm assuming that all of your shows have been canceled. We had maybe 20 death cab shows booked this year. I had a week and a half of solo dates booked uh -huh. and yeah, everything's canceled. Um, and just this past week, and this is this means absolutely nothing uh, in the scope of what's been going on in the world. But I had one thing on the calendar for this year mm -hmm. that was a hundred mile foot race I was going to do in August. Oh yeah, and it it, it it takes place in the Cascade Mountain Range on the mm -hmm. other side of the mountains. And, uh, you know, got that call on Friday that the race was indeed canceled, which, oh, it was. which I knew I knew it was coming. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't as if I was devastated or did not realize that this was going to be the outcome. Right. But what it did do was remove the one thing from the calendar that yeah. anchored my year to anything resembling normalcy. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and as I said, I reiterate it once again. A 100-mile foot race in relation to what's happening in the world right now does not fucking matter at all. Right. But yeah. it did tether me to real life. Yeah. And uh, and t to get that email, like, yeah, Cascade Crest is canceled. I was like, I knew that was coming, but yeah. it's a whole other thing to actually have it yeah. happen. You know? You know? Right. Yeah. Um, I want to play this song, which I like a lot, uh, Proxima B. What do you say? You want to play it? Yeah, you let's, hear it? let's check All it right, out. Let's play it. Here we go.
I was listening to it this morning and trying to get my kid to do math. And if I leave him alone, he'll do his work. But I got frustrated. He wasn't doing his work. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take this off. I'm just going to play this song loud. Tell me what you think about this song. And he said, it's a sad song. It is a pretty sad song. (laughs) I was very impressed and surprised that he had that much to to you know as a six-year-old that is where did you record it or when and where uh i recorded some of it at michael Lerner's house our Mm -hmm. friend michael yeah my neighbor uh amazing drummer and uh front man for the band telekinesis and we had been I guess we still are sort of talking about this, and I feel like I can talk about it because Norman said something about it somewhere, but for the last four years or so, we've been talking about starting a band with Norman from Teenage Fan Club. Mm-hmm. Every time I'd see Norman or whatever, we kind of talk about it, but he's an incredibly difficult man to pin down. Oh. And so I had kind of earmarked this song as something that might be good for that project. I had sent the demo to Michael after I'd written it, and he really dug it, and talking about when we could record it and i just said why don't i just come over to your house let's just do it yeah um i got these solo dates coming up it might be good to have a single mm-hmm. something to sell and a reason quote unquote to be on tour yeah so we did the drums at his place and then i took everything and i think the bass and then i took everything back to my house and just track guitars and vocals and everything else just up in my little room so the recording is really sounds great so you you did that in between here and michael's Michael's studio. Yeah, and then Michael mixed it at his at his house, mm. and yeah. Um, I have a criticism, a production criticism. Yeah, throw it at me. I want that last chorus just to keep going, fade just out. Keep going. You can throw it into Pro Tools and just I'm, you I can might. just add it, just I keep might. it going, and then just fade it out. Maybe I'll put a different version. In this <laughs> I've always been afraid of the fade out for some reason. No, it's. That's great. I'm no producer, so I'm probably wrong. But, but. to your but to your point though, doing a fade out is something that has kind of fallen out of vogue. And it used to be just the way you finished a song. Yeah. And I remember talking to somebody at one point and arguing against the fade out and they had said, "Well, no, it's the fade out's great because you it makes you think the song goes on forever." Yeah. And that kind of turned me around on him. I was like, "You know what? That's that's actually kind of true. But do popular songs have fade outs?" If you listen to the radio now... Uh, Good question. Like, is Ariana Grande have fade-outs on her songs? I can't imagine. Probably not. we got to bring it back. Therein lies one of the great things about the outro chorus, is just throwing up a mic and just just ad-libbing the the shit out of the end of a song. Yes. Daryl Hall, in my opinion, being the king of that. Yeah. There was nobody better at the vocal ad-lib fade-out than that guy. Just think of the record of just the ad libs. Oh my God! At the end of Out of Touch, you know that song Out of Touch, where like he'll be like, "Too cold, too (laughs) cold, girl, but I'm out of my head when you're not around." (laughs) Out of touch, out of touch. He just starts throwing all the stuff in there. It's like, man, it's killer. I know. It's killer. (laughs) Um, has there been a song you've listened to in the last week or so that has been on repeat, or you know? earworm kind of thing this is something that you would expect a 43 year old person to say i've been listening to more jazz yeah and and trying to understand kind of corners of this genre that 
I've never understood before with mixed results. Right. And I think, and the more investigation that I do, the more I come back to just this late fifties kind of hard bop. Right. Period as being something that I'm really into. Yeah. But I have been listening a lot to, I'm no, I'm going to butcher the name of the, the album, but that Alice Coltrane record, Journey and Strachan Dandada, do you know that yes. record? Yeah. yeah. It's just completely something that I was not familiar with at all until a couple months ago and somehow ended up in my lap. And I've just been totally moved by it. it was, as I've delved deeper into her catalog, there's a few things here and there that I, I like, but I'm not a big fan of kind of that, like, early 70s free jazz anything goes atonal yeah but that record in particular just has this really meditative quality to it yeah it's really beautiful i think it has a lot to do with the bells don't yeah um a lot of people don't like to give advice but do you have a suggestion for people in this, mostly in this quarantine situation, I'm, I'm thinking? What'd you do to get through your day during quarantine, uh, mental health, physical health? I feel that physical activity is of paramount importance. Be it you're a runner or you like riding your bike or just going out for walks, just getting out of the house. And if you're living, if you live in a place that, has some sun getting some sun yeah in your eyeballs but aside from that the thing that's been getting me through this period is embracing the now in a way that i've never really felt comfortable or been able to do Mm -hmm. there's never been a time in my life that i can think of that has required being in the moment more than right now yeah because we all desperately want information about tomorrow right now we want people to tell us it's going to be okay we want doctors infectious disease experts politicians what have you to tell us that tomorrow is going to be okay that we're going to kind of start moving back towards what we have known as normal life and i think with every day that passes in this pandemic it's become more and more apparent to me that nobody knows what's going to happen yeah and that can either be a point of deep anxiety, and believe me, it is for me at times. Yeah, it is for me. But it also really reiterates how important it is to just be in the moment with the people that you're with. And when your head hits the pillow at the end of the night, just sit there and say, like, yeah, I made it through today. Yeah. Got through today. It's almost, it's not the same, of course, but it's almost a similar tactic that addicts use. To get through a day without using, right? Yeah. You know, when when your day's over and you've made it through the day, I find myself saying, "Yeah, I'm, okay, got through today, yeah. got some stuff done." Um, Rachel and I didn't get in a big fight about something stupid, mm-hmm. and if we did, we made up about it. Um, I also recognize that the overwhelming majority of Americans are in a very different place yeah. than we, you and I are. Right. And it's easier said than done when. Your your main concern is not being evicted from your home or not being able to put food on the table. Yeah. So I don't feel I can really speak to, to that. But I but I do think for 
for people who are just experiencing a version of what we're all feeling, mm-hmm. I think I, I would recommend that people try to, to do that. That's great advice. All right, well, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for having me at your house. It's You're always welcome on my porch. Thanks. But I'd much rather uh, have you guys in our house at some point. Yeah, I'd like to graduate to being let into your house. Um, all right, Ben. Thanks again. I appreciate you having Absolutely. me over. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Let's hang out more. I like it. Thank you.